thoughts on uh, anxiety-free living. It has been said that uh, 70% of all future illnesses are mental. 70% of all future illnesses are mental. Some are medically related, uh, but many are not. Many are self-induced. Many are due to the way you think, the way you think wrongly. Uh, it has caused some stress in your life and you become anxious. Some due to bullying, some many external factors that contributed to that. Many years, many years ago, there was a woman who... Uh, Husband and wife bought a house. They renovated the place. And after living there for a little while, the woman was very troubled because always the thought plagued her very much is that a burglar will come in and to their house and all that. So every day she worried about that. So day after day, night after night, month after month, year after year, she worried about burglar coming in. One evening, she and her husband both heard a noise downstairs. And her husband got up, went downstairs to find out what the noise was. And it was, and it was can you guess? It was a burglar. And so the husband stopped and said to the burglar, Hang on. Take whatever you want. And after you've taken what you want, please come upstairs and meet my wife. She has been waiting for you for many, many years. Well, the point is very simple. A burglar can steal from you once, but the burglar of anxiety can steal from you for decades and decades. Anxiety kills. Anxiety is a thief. It steals your thoughts. It steals your peace. It steals your joy. It steals your confidence. It can steal many, many things for decades in your life. Someone said that an average person's anxiety is focused on 40% things that will never happen. And 30% on things about the past that can't be changed. And 12% on things about criticism by others and mostly untrue. 10% about health, which gets worse with stress. And 8% only about real problems that will be faced. So my friend, anxiety is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. And if encouraged, if fanned, it cuts a channel into which all others' thoughts are drained away. And as Christians, as believers, as disciples of Jesus Christ, that is not the way that God wants us to live. And so today, what I want to draw to your attention with uh, the time that I have, I know the water is warming up, I won't keep you for very long, just two verses from Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7, which is a very common and well-known verses in the Bible that deals with 
anxiety-free living. So in that, I want to give you three points from the two verses to help us to move towards anxiety-free living. It is my conviction and belief that as Christians and as disciples and as believers, we should be able and we must live anxious-free because of our belief, because of our worldview, because we know the future, because of Christ and all that, that worldview should be able to govern and Holy Spirit living in us should be able to help us to live an abundant living here while we are on earth, not just only pie in the sky in the future, but while we are still here. We must not know about God. We must experience God in our lives here and now and not just about the future that we talk about. Even the future, we know about it. And please bear in mind, as I read through these verses, Paul is not writing in an ivory tower, sitting in front of the computer with air con, you know, or, or winter time with heaters around, and just writing some words that is devoid from personal experience in the field, in the real life. He is in prison as he writes these words. He was chained with two guards right and left with him. And he's been through tremendous amount of struggles in his life as an apostle. He has so much things to worry about. Church conflict, just precede verse 6 to 7. Verse 1, 2, and 3 is all about conflict, about these two ladies in the church who cannot get along. And Paul is asking them to get along for Christ's sake. Get along. And so he has a lot of stress in his life. And here come down to verse 4 to 7. He gives some advice. He says this. <clears throat> he said, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. In book of Philippians, if there's one word to describe the entire book, it's the book joy. It's a book of joy. Joy and rejoice appears many, many times in this short letter, just four chapters. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I will say to you, rejoice. Remember, he's in prison. And despite of what he has been going through, he still can say, rejoice. I want you to know that because of your faith, because of you believing in this God, because you know your future is secure and all other reasons, you can rejoice in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of trials. Not happy, but joy. Happy depends on circumstances, but joy depends on a relationship. So that's why one of the poorest people in the world, they can have joy, but you can live in Melbourne, you can live in Tourette, you can live in a big mansion, but you have no joy at all. Joy depends on relationship, whereas happiness may depend on circumstances. And here, Paul is saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And he said, Let your gentleness be evident to all, because the Lord is near. And so if I may want to put the sermon differently, to find peace, you can have peace with God first, rejoice in the Lord, and then peace with others. The relationship with God settle, relationship with others, let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. And then down to verse 6 is relationship within yourself. Then you can find peace. Peace with God, peace with others, and then relationship within yourself, you can find peace. So let your gentleness be evident to all, the Lord is near. And this is where I want to concentrate on. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. 
please look at the word anything, not something, okay? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And then the result. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So there are three words there I want you to take notice. The first word is anxious. And then the second word is prayer. And then the third word is peace. Anxious, prayer, peace. The way to move from anxiousness to peace is through the channel of prayer. Anxious, prayer, peace. The way to proceed from anxiousness to peace is through the channel of prayer. Of course, prayer has been... Uh, uh, oh, the, the word is, is kind of conjured up all kinds of meanings. So I want to unpack this uh, verse to you this morning under three headings. The first one is there is a prohibition. You notice that all my background is like calm sea and scenery just to hopefully look at it alone can create some calm in you. Uh, the first one is there is a prohibition in those two verses. And that prohibition is do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. Let me unpack the word anxious or anxiety for you. The word Anxious or anxiety appears many times in the New Testament, about 19 times. Uh, and it always used other anxiousness or worries or cares, cares of this world. It is the same actual, actually they are the same root word. The, the root word in Greek, it actually means, it actually it has two components. One is, uh, one is uh, to separate. And uh, the other one is is to pull in different is is pull in different directions. So to, when you put the two words together, anxiousness means to be pulled in different directions. Our hope pulls us one direction, our fears pulls us the opposite direction, and then we are pulled apart. One word So it literally means the word anxious or worries or cares, which is used in the same root word, it actually means divide the mind. It's pulling your mind into separate direction. Anxiety is when your mind is divided between legitimate thoughts and destructive thoughts. Anxiety takes your mind in two different directions. It tears your mind. And therefore, James, that we have studied uh, in the early part of this year, put it this way, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So it's divided mind. So anxiousness, worry, and uh, cares of this world, it, the root word means divided. You're pulled in different directions, dividing the mind. So if there's anyone who has an excuse for anxiety, as I said, it was the Apostle Paul. He was imprisoned. He was handling many, many stress and all that. And yet, he chose not to be anxious. Not just only he chose not to be anxious, he actually told to those Christians 
you must not be anxious about anything, despite of whatever circumstances you may be going through. And Jesus says the same thing. the same word when Jesus, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6, says, do not worry about anything. Let me just read to you this beautiful text from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34. And in this text, Jesus tells us not to worry about many things. He said, don't worry about food. Don't worry about uh, fashion, what you will wear. Don't worry about fitness. Don't too much worry about your future. And then he gave many reasons why we ought not to worry about this thing. Remember, it's coming from the words of Jesus. God himself incarnate into human being here on earth telling us that. And whatever Jesus spoke, we have to take note of it. Here it says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? Is not life more than body, more than clothes? Is, and then he gives an example. He says, Look at the birds in the air. They do not sow, they do or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you the highest level of man's creation, God's creation? Are you not much more valuable than others? Even though uh, extreme view nowadays seems to value other creatures more than human beings. Are you not much more, than, more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. We want the second part, we don't want the first part, isn't it? We want all these things will be added unto us, but we fail to recognize that to, in order for that to happen, we have to seek His kingdom and His righteousness. And then verse 34 concludes by saying, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Anxiousness is a divided mind. And there is a first point here in this verse, there's a prohibition. Jesus and Paul is saying, do not be anxious about anything. Why? Because to worry is to miss the point of life. To worry is to miss the point of life. Because life is far more important than just the material thing. To worry is illogical. 
Not just only it is to miss the point of life, illogical because God looks after many, many things and God will look after you. To worry is a complete waste of time. He said, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Worry is a waste of time. Worry is futile, unproductive. It is pointless. So many things we worry about never happened. And worriers spend a lot of time shivering smoke. Or Mark Twain used to say, most of my disasters never happened to me. Or someone say, worry is like rocking a chair. It will give you something to do, but it gets you nowhere. Worry is a complete waste of time. To worry is incompatible with faith as well. Why do you worry? Faith and anxiety are like fire and water. It doesn't mix. And that is why it is my belief that as believers, as Christians, we are walking with the Lord and allow Scripture to lead and guide us with Holy Spirit living in us, empowering us. Uh, we should be able, we must live an anxiety-free living. To worry is unchristian. So there is first point I want to give to you is uh, there is a prohibition there and that is Paul said, do not be anxious about anything. But at this point, I just want to uh, uh, provide some kind of doubt in your mind uh, that, or put you at ease. We have to distinguish between concern and worries. Uh, some concerns are legitimate and we should, we should uh, do it. And it's different from being worried about. You've got to save up for rainy day. You've got to buy insurance. You have to buy. You have to save up for your children's education. You have to look into retirement. These are legitimate things that we have to do. These are, con- these are concerns. These are not worries. Worries is something that consumes you. It drains your emotional energy. It drains you, your joy. It drains you out completely that you become so gloomy. You become so... Uh, troubled, it stresses you, your hair starts to drop and you start to lose weight, the kind of stuff that it kind of always bark you. Concern is something that you can do about it and, and, and but sometimes worries are something that you can't. You can't provide and prepare for every options. You can't. How can you guarantee that your children will turn out well? How do you do that? You can only do your best. You can give them a good start. You can bring them to church. You can introduce God to them. You can pray for them every day. But how can you have 100% certainty of that? And you just have to commit them to the Lord or many other issues of your life for that matters. And so let me just uh, clarify that between concern and worries, okay? So that uh, we won't uh, give excuse, you know, for being lazy and don't think, don't plan. Well, Pastor Glenn said, don't worry about that. You know, I'm in trouble. Uh, many people like to quote me to, to get their way sometimes. Uh, and, 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 and it's in, not in any way uh, uh, suggesting being lazy and don't think, don't plan, don't be concerned about. And I have many concerns too as a pastor. I concerned greatly about finance of the building and all kinds of things weigh heavily on me too. Uh, so those are legitimate concerns that we all need to have. Uh, but not to the extent of worries that is sip off your joy and you become depressed and become anxious 
and you become ill and that is no good. That is not, that is exactly what scripture talks about. So there's a prohibition there. And secondly, there is a prescription given by Paul as well. Not just only uh, prohibit you, say do not be anxious about anything. And the prescription, as I already mentioned to you, is the word prayer. He said, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer. In contrast, we find a solution to the problem. Don't, but. Yeah? Don't do this, do this. There's a contrast there. If the problem is anxiety, then the solution is replacement. Replace anxiety with something else. It's like God's replacement therapy. Don't do this, but do that. And the cure for worry or anxiety is to redirect your energy and replace your anxiety. In 1 Peter chapter 5, I don't think I have it here, uh, cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. It's the same word there. Cast all your anxiety it's the same word, dividing the mind. Cast all your anxiety. So instead of anxiety, anxious over things, you replace it with cast. You replace the anxious energy by casting the, your anxiety on Christ. Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you, casting all your issues that divide your mind, that sip your emotion away, that keeps you up at, at wake at night. Cast all those issues that divide your mind upon Him because He cares for you. Don't carry your cares. Cast your cares. Cast your anxiety. Bring it to the Lord in prayer. Release from anxiety comes through laying yourself bare before God. D.A. Carson, the Canadian theologian and biblical scholar, said the way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. Everything means everything. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. Everything. The way to be anxious about nothing is to be prayerful about everything. But how does this work? Some of us, we have come out a cynical mindset here. How does, it, does prayer really get rid of anxiety? I tried that many times before, but it doesn't work. My anxiousness still resides in me. I can pray. I ask people to pray for me. I've asked the prayer group to pray for me. I ask pastors to pray for me, but I still feel anxious. What is it about prayer that makes it an effective antidote to anxiety? I'll tell you a few things. Because anxiety is rooted in self. You're consumed with self. While prayer is rooted in God. Anxiety is the fruit of a narrow, constructed view of life. You have things it's like that. Whereas the only thing one can see is the problems or perplexities surrounding us. Whereas prayer is a fruit of a broad and expansive view of God 
defined by the scripture, which God is so big and everything else, even our worst problems and worries, shrink into insignificance. So anxiety is focused on self, prayer is focusing on God. Anxiety is focused on strict view that you think this is going to be happen, whereas prayer allows you to embrace who God is and the biblical worldview of large of God's sovereignty and God is in charge and, and God is in control. Anxiety is horizontal in focus. You're just looking at the immediate problem in front of you inside, whereas prayer, on the other hand, is vertical in focus. That is to say, when you worry, you are consumed with looking to the left and to the right, towards the back, front and the back, whereas when you pray, you can't help but look up. You look up to God for resources. Anxiety never raises your eyes above your problems, your situations, or your circumstances, whereas prayer raises your eyes above and beyond yourself to God and to His power. Anxiety looks to self to solve problems, whereas prayer looks to God to help you endure problems. How many of us know that when you pray, God not necessarily answers the way you want it to be, but somehow because of prayer, because you spend time with God, it gives you the power, it gives you the ability to endure through the problem. The problem is the same. The, 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 the problem is the same. You never answered at all. But somehow through prayer, you have the strength, you have the energy to actually go through the process and survive. Anxiety is a concern over circumstances you can't control, whereas prayer is the confidence in the God who controls your circumstances. Anxiety is an expression of fear, whereas prayer is an expression of faith. And that is why prayer, to me, is the antidote to anxiety. It is the antidote. It is the way to cure, to conquer anxious living is through prayer. I love these uh, poems very much by Helen Steiner Rice. Uh, it's entitled, On the Wings of Prayer. Let me just read to you this beautiful poem written by her, On the Wings of Prayer. He said, just close your eyes and open your heart and feel your worries and cares depart. Just yield yourself to the Father above, secure in His love, for life on earth grows more involved with endless problems that can't be solved. But God only asks us to do our best, and then He will take over and finish the rest. So when you are tired, discouraged, and blue, there's always one door that is open to you, and that is the door to the house of prayer. And you find God waiting to meet you there. And the house of prayer is not farther away than the quiet spot where you kneel and pray. For the heart is the temple when God is there. As we place ourselves in His loving care, and He hears every prayer and answers each want, when we pray in His name, Thy will be done. And the burdens that seem too heavy to bear are lifted away on the wings of prayer. Paul say, well, do not be anxious by anything. There's prohibition. But in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, the three things there was mentioned. Prayer is a general concept of coming before God in adoration of worshipping who He is and petition, bringing your petition, bringing the thing that caused you anxiety, caused you anxiousness, the thing that bothers you, the things that keeps you up at, in the night, 
the things that occupy most of the time in your mind, the sipping away your emotional energy, your anxiousness, bring those things before God. Be not anxious, but in every situation by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving. Now, if you can come to God with thanksgiving, it can help to conquer a lot of your direct your emotion in certain directions. Have you ever tried to take control of your emotion that help your emotion to direct in certain ways? Like if you feel angry, what do you do? Can you help to do something to direct that emotion towards something else? Can you think of good thoughts? If you go down to verse 8 and 9 after these verses, Paul precisely talk about that. Fill your mind, those things, whatever is honorable, whatever is good, whatever is profitable, think about such kind of things because it's directing your mind and when you direct your mind, it directs your emotion down a particular way of feeling. But many of us, we only direct our physical being. We don't quite take control over our emotions, emotional level. Too much emphasis has been placed on the physical level, but too little on our emotional level or mental, which most of the time our problems come from that component, the emotional and mental. Even how healthy you are, when emotionally you are unhealthy, it will lead you down a terrible pathway. And so here, Paul is saying, well, the prohibition is do not be anxious. The, the prescription is through prayer. And prayer is petition. Bring it before the Lord. With thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, thanking God, counting your blessings. Learn to count your blessings. We are blessed beyond measure. Especially where we are here. Even though whatever that you don't have, uh, contentment is something is of a learned attitude. Did you know the verse that we often quote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Remember the verse? Did you know of the context the verse came out of? The, the verse actually came out from the context of contentment. Because Paul just before that says about, I can live with plenty, I can live with some. It's okay. Whether you give or you don't give to me, I can live. I have learned to live in contentment. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So when Christ, that, that verse is giving in the context of learning to live in contentment. Learning to give thanks to God. Uh, and when you give thanks to God, it brings delight. And it directs your emotion down a particular pathway. And you are slowly will be moving out from anxiety. Trusting the Lord and bringing your petition belong to God. God, thank you so much for wonderful things that you've done for me. Thank you. Thank you. Or, or Matthew Henry. Is it Matthew Henry or one of the commentator that I read before uh, when he was robbed, he said, well he was robbed and some money was taken away from him, he wrote in his diary and he said, well I thank God that I didn't rob it's not me that robbed someone um, that quite needed quite a lot of perspective, isn't it? so there's a prohibition, there's a, a prescription and then Paul said that there is a promise there is a promise given by God when you actually go to the Lord in prayer with your anxiety, those things that bothers you, those things that divide your mind. 
there is a promise and the promise is you will have peace and the peace of God this peace isn't some kind of cheap psychological trick to get you past a few problems in life no diagnostic manual or self-help book can reproduce it it is God-shaped and it is God-given it is a peace that surpasses all understanding or the verse here says transcends all understanding or in John chapter 14 verse 27 peace I leave with you my peace I give to you not as the world gives Jesus said not as the world gives it cannot be reproduced it is God-shaped it is God-given it isn't some kind of cheap psychological trick that helps to satisfy you for a little while he said when you bring your all your anxiousness to me seriously commit and submit yourself to me with petition and thanksgiving and the peace of God please note that he said peace of God he never said peace with God because it is understood you cannot have peace of God unless you make peace with God no one can have peace of God unless you make peace with God so peace with God always precedes peace of God you can only experience peace of God when you make peace with God if you don't make peace with God you will never experience peace of God in your life there was always turmoil there's always something that was erupt up to destroy and destroy that peace God promised this peace, he said, is transcend all understanding. It's a mind-blowing experience. This is a state of being where you are calm in the heart and mind despite the fact that turmoil and strife are raging around you. This is, a, this is calm in the heart that exists even though your storm still rages. It is a mysterious thing. You cannot explain. It is God's gift to those who trust in Him in everything. It is a peace that is divine in origin. It is a peace that cannot be disrupted by the problems, cannot be disrupted by turbulence, cannot be disrupted by difficulties of life. It is a peace that transcends all understanding. It is a God-given, God-shaped kind of peace that transcends understanding. It is a peace that cannot waver. It is a peace that cannot be shaken and cannot be destroyed. And you see that throughout the scripture, whether it's in the book of Job, whether it's Daniel, whether it is the three Hebrews kids who refused to bow before King Darius, they experienced peace in the midst of tremendous amount of crisis at hand or in front of them. And not only is it that and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word God is a very important word. My friend, the word God, because Paul is in prison and the, the root word comes from, he's being guarded by, by soldiers chained to him for fear that somehow he disappeared or, or, or run away. And that word he used in that context, when you experience this peace, he will guard God is going to send God angels to guard your heart and your mind to prevent any other form of thoughts or emotion that will seep into your mind and your heart that will rob you away from this peace. He will send God over your mind and your heart. 
because my and our heart is the kind of uh, a definition of our 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 life is in our mind protects our mind and protects our hearts keep our hearts and minds the word keep or stand guard over where Paul wrote those very words he had a Roman guard on either side of him they were standing guard over a man of God and Paul says that God's peace is like a guard that protects the heart from wrong feelings and the mind from wrong thoughts wrong feelings Wrong thoughts will always lead to anxiety. Wrong feeling, wrong thoughts, and serious living. But when you think rightly, you feel rightly, you will live an anxious, free life. Please note that Paul doesn't say, what Paul doesn't say about prayer, he doesn't say that all our requests will be answered in precisely the way we articulated them. He doesn't say that the problems and perplexities and pain that may have caused the anxiety in the first place will suddenly and forever disappear. He didn't say that. What he does say is that the heavenly Father will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus as you face and endure and patiently persevere in the midst of whatever this world throws in your direction. He said the peace of God that will transcend this peace that's God-shaped, God-origined, only God can give. He will transcend all others. It cannot be explained. It will guard your heart. It will protect your heart and your mind from wrong thinking, wrong feelings and lead you down a pathway. There is one man in the Bible that exemplify that, can, that, that this verse actually applies to him. He actually used it. You know who? Daniel. Let me finish with this. Daniel is my uh, hero, my favorite characters in the Bible. This is what he say. Remember the context is uh, they, they couldn't find anything to, to get him and uh, he was a prophet in the Old Testament. He was, as a 14 to 17 years old boy, we don't know how old he was driving the exile. Babylon came and he was exported to Babylon and he was selected because he was so good to be trained and to, be, to kind of uh, indoctrinate with their kind of secular philosophy and, and studies so that he can be used as a, as a prophet, prophesizing for the king. Uh, so he was living in Babylon, a foreign country, a hostile government that made it against the law for him or for anyone else to pray and to continue to follow God. So that was a context. And so, but they couldn't find anything wrong with him. And so they went to the king. This group of people went to the king. King Darius at that time was a king in a in a. And, and for 30 days, King Darius signed a decree that nobody could worship or pray or make a request of any god beside the Babylonian system. So that was it. So 30 days, they, they, they're not allowed to worship God. So Daniel heard about this decree because he was one of the top men there. He heard about this and this is what he did, alright? He knew this decree has been there and no one's supposed to bow down to any God. If they do, they're going to be killed. They're going to be sentenced to death and all kinds of things. And this is what he did when he knew of the decree. This is what he did. Now when Daniel, he says, learned that the decree had been published, what did he do? He went home, 
to his upstairs room where the windows open towards Jerusalem three times a day. He got down on his knees and he prayed. Philippians says, right? We're not anxious by anything, but in prayer, with petition and thanksgiving, right? Got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before, and then the petition comes in verse 11. Then this man went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Prayer, petition, thanksgiving. But I want you to look at the last bit of this part here. What did he do? Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Meaning to say, this is not a crisis prayer. This is no crisis prayer. This is his normal routine. Just as he had done before. This is my daily thing. Open the door and pray to God three times a day. Nothing is going to shake me. Nothing is going to change me. I'm not going to be anxious about this thing, this decree that's been made. Just as he had done before. Normal, usual routine. Not crisis prayer at all. He didn't send out WhatsApp to WhatsApp group to people. To, of course, we do that. But in this instant, no crisis prayer. And then what happened after this? You know the story? Well, you might say, well, what was the result? Daniel got thrown into a lion's den, isn't it? See, his situation never changed. He was thrown into a lion's den. Exactly, but he had peace. He didn't seem to stress. In fact, he got a good night's sleep. And who was stressing over this? Who, who was that? Who was... The person who issued that decree couldn't sleep. You read chapter 6 further down, the king stayed up all night. He was the one who couldn't sleep. Whereas Daniel, he went on his knees, he prayed, he gave thanks to God, he bring his petition before God, and he was sent to the lion's den. He slept with the lion. Lion probably was licking his face, you know, and just patting him to sleep. Uh, have a nice sleep, right? I'm your companion, you know. Uh, this is the first time you sleep with a lion. I make sure that you sleep well. Um, beautiful things happen. Peace of God transcends all understanding. Oh, well, my friend, today is the last Sunday of 2019. I just want to encourage you with these words. I just want to pray for you that we as believers bring it to the Lord. Whatever the cause anxiety in your life that plague you day in and day out, Bring it before the Lord. And the Lord promised us that the peace will come upon you. Not just only this shalom peace, but He will stand guard over your heart and your mind so that you won't think wrongly, you won't feel wrongly in Christ Jesus. And peace of God will come upon you as you enter into New Year 2020. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these beautiful words from Paul. We live in a very difficult time where we are overloaded with too many things, uh, over-informed, 
we can be overwhelmed and, uh, and, and, and emotionally and mentally is beyond our capacity to handle. And that is where we need to make room, make time, make space in our life for you and come to you because we are not to be anxious about anything. Not just only Paul tells us that you deliberately say that in Matthew chapter 6, do not worry about our future. You are in charge. We can only do so much. And so we come before you in prayer, in petition, in thanksgiving, because when we give you thanks, it can direct our emotion down a pathway. You're sending God over our heart and our mind to help us to think rightly, to help us to feel rightly, and then we will be able to experience your shalom peace that transcends all understanding. It's beyond anybody's understanding because it's from God. People puzzle over how can someone go through so much pain and struggle in their life and yet still exuberate peace and joy. And that is because of Jesus. So I just want to pray for each one, everyone here. Lord, this morning, they have actually have already made peace with you. Because until they make peace with you, they cannot experience peace of God. So I just want to pray, Lord, anyone here in our midst that have not done that, that have not surrendered their life to Jesus and make peace with God. And God, come and redeem me, save me from my sin. Give me peace. I have no peace. It bothers me. It troubles me. It worries me about my future. It troubles me about life after death, my health, my children, all things that my financial situation and all kinds of things that bothers us. That when we make peace with you, we can slowly experience the peace of God. So I pray, Lord, for each one. May we truly, in our hearts, give our hearts to Jesus, walk with you, and submit our life to you and experience the shalom peace of God. Thank you, Lord, as we sing our closing uh, songs. Uh, may you speak to us. May you stir our hearts. May we love Jesus more and more. Amen.